on this episode of The Kinked Wire. I try to present myself as mild-mannered, quiet, and very nice, which wins a lot of battles. But deep inside, there's this fierce sense of right. And if there was something I needed to fight for, for the rights of patients or members, I would go to the mat for them. Welcome to The King Wire, the interventional radiology podcast from SIR's IR Quarterly Magazine. You can learn more at our website, sirweb.org slash kinkedwire. In this episode, guest host Nishita Kathari speaks with a panel of four past SIR gold medalists, Drs. Ann Roberts, Kathy Kroll, Jean LeBerge, and John Kaufman, about what inspires them, obstacles they've overcome, and more. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. It is excellent to have our four wonderful gold medalists with me uh, on this panel session. We have Dr. Kaufman, Dr. LeBerge, Dr. Kroll, and Dr. Roberts. The first thing I want to ask all four of you, you there are plenty of people who do IR. The SIR gold medal is given to few of the people who just exceeded every, every bit of expectation. And so really what I want to ask is, how did you differentiate yourself from the rest of the pack? Gene, amongst other superstars, you've shone out even more. You know, just talking uh, to you about this now is something that occurred to me that the other people on the screens that I'm looking at are really a reason why I was able to participate the way I, I have been able to. You know, one of the amazing things about the SIR is it's just congregated by really excited, interesting, outgoing people who enjoy what they're doing and want to bring other people in. And I think it really started that way. All this small group of early interventional radiologists got together and were really excited about advancing the field. And that same spirit has persisted in the SIR. So looking at the screen, you know, John and Ann and Kathy all were, you know, really outgoing, really enthusiastic and really wanted to bring people in and get them to participate. So I think that's what helped me the most is the other people in this society. Kathy? I'd have to agree with that. I never had aspirations to be a leader or a superstar, I guess. I wanted to succeed, and I really was passionate about our field and wanted to contribute, wanted to make a difference. I would have to say people saw something in me and reached out and pushed me up, and they would say, why don't you do this? And I would say, oh, I can't possibly do that. And they'd say, of course you can. And they'd make sure that I was supported to do that. So I'd say the society just has the spirit that lets you know you can do something. I think we all have it in us. We're all hardworking, successful, driven people. But sometimes it's just being around the right people that spark that confidence to, to move up. And so, Anne, when I was reading your story, so not only were the people in society a big boost, but it also seems your dad and your mom. Yeah, I think it was really important. My parents felt really strongly that everybody should be able to contribute something and to help other people or to help your community was really important. A lot of it was, you know, what can you do to help your brother instead of beating him up? Um, so it was, so I think that that was something, I mean, but you know, I would certainly agree with what's already been said. And that is, is that I had enormous support from people in the society. And it wasn't as as large as it is now when I was sort of getting involved. And, you know, the thing about it was, is that, you know, Art Waltman and Chris Athanasoulis sort of said, here, let me introduce you to people. So he'd introduce me to Ernie Ring and Gordon McLean and, you know, all of these people. And that's how it sort of all happened. I mean, people feeling, hey, that 
person was interested and here, give her a job. John, was it the same for you, like sort of seizing the opportunity? I feel just like Jean. I, I look at the people on this call and I think if, if I got a, that acknowledgement, it's because of the people on the call and all the opportunities, guidance. Anne was hugely influential in, in my whole career. And serving on the council with Kathy when Kathy was president was incredible. I mean, I just learned so much just from kind of watching and listening and working with Gene for a long time on some pretty big projects. It's really the people around you. And I, and I agree with Anne. The society tends to be very nurturing. And although, you know, I know statistically there are not a lot of women in the society, the leadership that the women have shown is incredible. And as role models for everybody, I mean, it's really important to have role models that you can identify with gender-wise, but on the other hand, to see that it doesn't really matter what gender or what other background, the role model is a role model. Anne will probably identify, it's just saying yes. People ask you to do stuff, just say yes. I remember being at a meeting with the um, American College of Radiology leadership. They were doing a strategic planning thing. And so I got invited as sort of one of the interventionalists. I remember Ron Evans coming up to me and going, how does the SIR get so many women involved? And I said, they ask. (laughs) It's not that hard. Exactly. Part of it is, you know, being sponsored. But the other part, as you all of you said, is saying yes, and then growing that opportunity to something that benefits the society and benefits the women in IR. But that's also there, I'm sure in all your lives, there have been times when somebody's turned around to you and said, okay, that idea is completely crazy. You know, sort of the world saying no, when in your head, you're saying, yes, I think this can happen. There are lots of naysayers. How do you keep going on? John, why don't you start this time? You know, Arthur Waldman just said, this is a great specialty and you should just try and make it better. My mother always said, leave things better than you found them. And my father said, do something you really love and it won't be work. There are times when you're, you'll see something that maybe other people don't see and you just have to keep kind of pushing forward and learn from your mistakes. And sometimes you just have to step back and don't take it personally. Kathy, you know, now everybody talks about RVUs and building an understanding of that. But I remember when I graduated, you know, that wasn't the focus. I wanted to be involved in the society and I I was in private practice and they looked at me and said, you guys are all interested in money, which was the least most interesting thing to me. But it became patient advocacy and a physician advocacy thing. I try to present myself as mild mannered, quiet and very nice, which wins a lot of battles. But deep inside, there's this fierce sense of right. And if there was something I needed to fight for, for the rights of patients or members, I would go to the mat for them. So Jean, for you, for the IRDR residency, I can't imagine that that was sort of something that everybody embraced at the get-go. Talk about a battle where nobody was uh, agreeing with you. Everybody thought it was a half-baked idea. But I have to agree with Kathy. I think persistence and listening to other people. You know, I think at the time John and I presented this idea, it was kind of half-baked and it really wouldn't work. And so it took months and years of listening to other people to figure out how to get it to work for them. And a lot of the ideas you know, weren't very helpful, but many, many of them were, and it really helped figure out how to come up with the solution. And if you're kind of trying to try some novel thing, listening to what other people's reaction is, is really very helpful. Although 
at times it was somewhat painful. And you were one of the first female department chairs. I mean, now there are more section chiefs and any stories that kind of stick out in your head and say, God, that was a battle that was a crazy battle, but we're completely uh, fighting. You know, I think what John says is really true. You know, you can't take it personally. You know, everybody's kind of got their own agenda and you do the best you can with whatever it is that you're doing. And if it doesn't work out, well, go on and find something else to, to do. You know, I'm, I'm not a big believer in kind of getting stuck in a losing battle. You know, honestly, it's kind of like peripheral angiograms. And, and I think the main thing is, is that you say, okay, I'm not going to get all of this. But there's a lot of people with peripheral vascular disease. And if I could get a quarter of them in my locale, I'd be overwhelmed with stuff to do. So I think fight your battles. And, you know, if it's not going well, then sort of step back and reassess how important this is to you. And, you know, is it really worth staying up all night worrying about it? No. I mean, you know, life's going to go on. So So I I just want to say something. And you're being too modest. (laughs) (laughs) And and actually, all three of you are actually braver and more willing, I think, to sort of stand your ground than I am. I I can remember so many times being in rooms, committee meetings or something, and and you you just kind of say, well, wait a minute, that just doesn't make sense, and that you can just change everything. Really, you guys have each in your own individual way having visionaries, and it's not easy to be a visionary. If everybody else believed in that, then it wouldn't be a vision. It would be something that's done on a routine basis. So I think another thing that is a common theme here is strategy. And not everybody's good at strategy and not everybody likes strategy. But anytime you're trying to go uphill, what I'm hearing is everybody's developed a strategy, been very thoughtful about how they present that, listen, and then try to maneuver um, strategically through that. And I think that's a commonality. One of the really interesting things about the IRS and see, I kept trying to come up with different strategies or different approaches that we're going to lead people in. And some things I tried didn't work. And then finally, I hit upon this one thing that it was like a light bulb went on. I realized that a few APDIR members were using this as a competitive edge that they thought they'd apply early. So I kind of promoted them to talk about how it was helping them. And then all of a sudden, this competition arose. And then I realized I didn't have to do anything else. It was just selling itself because the one thing I tried all these strategies, and the one thing that, that seemed to work is just competition among fellowship programs. When they realized they were missing out on this leg up that these other programs had, then they were all on board about filling out the program. So I I think as Kathy was saying, trying to figure out the strategy that's going to work and kind of maneuvering until you find something that works. Because it's not me that determines it. It's the people I was talking to that are going to determine what works. When you guys started your career, the number of women in IR was single digit, three to five percent. When I started, it still wasn't that much better. It was about nine percent or so. Interestingly, neurosurgery has 16% women. Orthopedic surgery is 15% women. IRs have 13%, so we are still a couple of percentage points below that. Vascular surgery is at 33%, and thoracic surgery is at 21%. How do we make the female underrepresented medical students who are now looking at IR as a potential residency, how do we encourage them to be part of this unbelievable specialty? 
you have to look at some of the other statistics. So, you know, I think the residents are different. The IR residents, I believe, closer to 28%. And we've gone out of our way to encourage female medical students to apply and, and to make sure that we have female residents. So I think we're about 30 or 40% in our IR residents. It builds, right? You know, I think part of it is just knowing, gee, there are five other people in their residency that are very similar to me. I'm going to do that. I can actually do that. And I think that's one of the things we kind of lack. You just need to have lots and lots of people as role models, but also as pioneers or path leaders and and to just be welcoming at all times. One of the reasons I want to highlight the women on um, this call is so for folks listening in, I, I want them to see that it's not just all men. There are so many female IRs who are really good at what they do. Jean, Kathy, and Anne, what do you think is holding women back and what is it that we can do? You know, I think the more women that you have, the more women there will be. I think you need a, enough women faculty members and on the selection committees and things like that to have a, enough people to, uh, on your side to promote that. I don't see any reason why there should why IR is any different. You know, I was on a panel with Anne and number of other women uh, a couple of years ago at the SIR. And we didn't really feel like there's a perceived uh, bias against women, at least in our histories. I think uh, IR in general has been pretty welcoming to women. So I would imagine that it will just grow and grow. And yesterday, I talked to a young medical student that wanted to go into IR, a woman that was very enthusiastic about it. And I just think it'll get to be bigger and bigger. I don't see any major limitations. The one thing I would say about the SIR as an organization is that does a fantastic job with medical students. It's really one of the reasons why I think the IR residency was a success is that medical students wanted it. And if medical students want something, then they are the movers and shakers in the medical world and it happened. So medical students are incredibly important to the future of IR. And what SIR has done to promote involvement of medical students is really, really good. And I think it does a lot to promote women in, in IR as well. So hopefully that trend will continue and we'll get more and more women participating. I hadn't really thought of this until John mentioned it, is that I actually had great role models because Arena Van Breda, even though she wasn't at Mass General when I started, she had just sort of finished. They had hired Marlene Eckstein, who came from New York and was doing um, IR. There was Laura Feldman, who had done IR there. And um, Carolyn Dietrich had done some IR. Betsy Drucker, Edna Stratemeyer, Lisa Kantrowitz. All of them were there when I was in training. So, you know, I, I had a lot of women actually around me at Mass General. I just loved IR. So all I wanted to do was IR and nobody was going to tuck me out of it. <laughs> I think I felt the same way, although I didn't have any women mentors and I never worked with a woman IR. I think John and Jean have kind of hit the nail on the head about getting people into the field by recruiting them early on in their career and showing them the way. And like you've said, showing them role models that you can do this and they can identify with. One thing I think I don't hear us doing and I worry about is we can get people in the door, but if we can't get them out of the door, out of training, into practice, then we're not going to succeed. I think in academics, which all of you have been in academics, is a different environment than in private practice. 
I think my kids suffered because I worked way too hard and I had to do a lot of things that probably most people wouldn't have done to stay in practice. We had this group of women IRs gather in Boulder a couple of years ago, and they were standing around my kitchen talking about their experiences. And really, I broke down in tears because they're talking about the same issues, and it's still ongoing in private practice. There's still white male old boy groups to a big extent. And it's not just women, it's all minorities who struggle in private practice, where I think the majority of IRs really are going to practice. So until we start addressing that and starting to break down those barriers, I'm not sure how successful we will be successful for sure. John's right. There's more people in the pipeline and more people in training, but I keep bringing that up in different places and no one seems to bite onto that, but we'll see. We'll see if it needs to be done or not. You're absolutely right. I think in getting not only just people out and in practice, but even mid-career women and even full professors. I need mentors. And at times I call up Mike Solon and ask him things, right? And there's no limit to how much we can get mentored and sponsored. And I think we somehow tend to forget the women who are seven, eight years out. That's one of the things that I hope the society can actually also refocus on. As you guys know, my dad passed about a year ago. One of the things he would always tell me to kind of ground me, and he would say, what's your true north? When I would get frustrated, when I would get mad, even when I was overly excited about something. John, Jean, Kathy, and Anne, so what is your true north? What is it that gets you up every morning and say, I am going to do this because I believe in it? For me, there's a couple of things. One is the patience. I love taking care of patients. And so that's something that motivates me all the time. I really enjoy the people I work with, the other attendings, the nurses and the techs. So they get me up in the morning to go work, you know, and have fun. And I think the other thing about it is IR is just such an amazing field. It's just constantly evolving. You know, it's still exciting after all these years. I would agree with Anne's first comment. I think first and foremost, I'm proudest of being a doctor. An IR variation of a doctor allows me to uh, help patients every day. And I think most of the things that I've done in IR have been oriented towards trying to have our IR physicians or IR as a specialty be better at taking care of patients. You know, that trumps everything else we do is having the real honor to be able to go in there and help somebody else to save their life or to make their life better. Kathy? For me, that's exactly right. It's uh, the patients. And a lot of what I did for the society was patient advocacy, I felt like. And that was really important. And I think in the end, we each just want to make a difference in this world. And this allowed us to make a difference. Every day I went home knowing I'd helped some patient today or some person today, you know that in your heart. And there's nothing better than feeling that. I think just kind of being part of something that's bigger than yourself and moving that forward for a greater good, not just your own personal gain. Uh, that's kind of been the professional true north and um, family has always been the real true north. So I've just been very lucky with parents and spouse and kids. And it's an exciting specialty, right? Which is you go into work and even in the last 20 years, things have changed so much and there's always something new. 
Again, it has been unbelievable talking to all of you. I mean, just, you know, I think most importantly for the younger folks coming in, these are people who've been exceptional. And as you can sort of see, they're very humble, truly very, very humble people. But, you know, all of them have just given so much to society and to the specialty. And so I want to thank you from the deepest of my heart for being such good role mentors. I think if anybody should get anything out of this, it's that I don't see myself as being anything special. And if I can do this, anybody can do this. <laughs> I know. This Indiana had no <laughs> reason to do this. And yet we yeah. all got an opportunity. We took it. Yeah, I think we all feel the same way. We just got lucky and somehow our names came up on a list, but you, you and everyone out there is the real future. And it's gonna be really, really fun, really cool. That was a panel of SIR gold medalists, Drs. Ann Roberts, Kathy Kroll, Jean LeBurge, and John Kaufman, discussing what has driven their careers with WIR section chair, Nishida Kathari. We thank our guest host and panel members for their time and you for listening to The Kinked Wire. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any thoughts or ideas for us, drop us a line at irq.surweb.org.